This episode of At The Bar is recorded on the lands of the Ghana people and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I'm Jane Gretch and welcome to At The Bar, a podcast about running a dance studio, the highs, the lows and everything in between. As a dance studio owner, business coach, leadership expert, and the founder and author of Dance Step, a dance student teacher education program, my mission is to educate, encourage, and empower all I serve. Each week, I'll share a mixture of solo episodes and interviews, sharing ideas, hopefully making you smile, and reminding you that you are not alone. So, what are we waiting for? Join me at the bar. I'm so pleased to welcome back our regular contributor to the bar, my friend and fellow dance studio owner, Melanie Gard. Today, we continue to unpack some of the fallout from managing a business through COVID and also how we're navigating this new normal. Before we get into it, I want to let you know about my June group coaching workshop, which will be held on Tuesday, 21st of June. This next one is all about how you can benefit from taking a project management approach to managing your studio especially big events such as your performances or recitals. If you'd like to learn more or join us, head to the booking link in my Instagram bio. You can find me at Dance Studio Success. Now, on with the chat with Mel. I'm delighted to be welcoming back Miss Melanie Gard. It's been, oh, I feel like every time we meet that I say it's been a long time between drinks, but God, it's been like a really long time. Hello, Miss Mel. Hello, Miss Jane. Thank you so much for having me on your wonderful podcast. Oh. I've been really enjoying the last couple of episodes, actually. Oh. Thank you for getting on there and still riffing about parts of studio ownership it's so reassuring <laughs> to listen to me people agree me in my walk-in robe when I do my solo episodes I hide in there it's good fun um but not today out in my office with you and um yeah always always lovely to chat and we've caught up a little bit offline and um, ready to share some of our thoughts with the world oh god help the world <laughs> Um, and so some of what we've just been chatting about is this kind of post-COVID world. I feel like um, the adrenaline, you know, um, is is waning. <laughs> so like when you're in something, you know, it's all about dealing, you know, just kind of treading water, keeping your head up. And, and now I feel like I'm kind of floating and caught in a current and I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, where's this current going? And I'm not particularly fighting it. And and I know that that's kind of where you're at as well because it's it has been a lot and I say it all the time, you know, this last couple of years have been a lot, but it's going to take a bit of undoing, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's going to take a while to unpack what's actually happened in the last two years because it's like even though 2020 feels like a lifetime ago, really, you know, a snap of the fingers and here we are in 2022. So the adrenaline has definitely worn off. The 
colds and viruses are creeping back into the world. And yeah, I'm definitely feeling really depleted after the last two years. And it's hard to kind of dig deep right now. I think we've dug so deep after the last two years that digging deep feels really exhausting and hard Mm. to do at the moment. So I'm right there with you, Miss Jane, feeling quite burnt out. Mm, mm. It's just, it's a a time where we need to acknowledge that this, you, you know, healing, healing takes time. Um, and you and I have chatted on a number of occasion, occasions about the grief as well. Mm-hmm. That initial grief, like it was almost the shock that, that um, you know, if we go through the stages of grief, almost denial as well, like, oh, no, no, this is not happening to my business and, and then kind of coming to terms with it. And then for me, some days I will admit that there is a bit of a sadness as well when I look, um, you know, sometimes through social media it's like on your, your business page it can give you memories as well and things looked different and I'd worked really hard to make them look the way they did. And so some days I do just feel a little bit sad. Um, I mean, obviously, overwhelmingly, I am glad that I was able to keep my business sustainable throughout it. But there are moments of sadness. Have you experienced that? um, Yeah, I think we sort of suffer a bit from that sort of, oh, it's really bad, but I'm so lucky I've got this or I'm so lucky Mm -hmm. I'm know in Australia or I'm so lucky we had JobKeeper or whatever it is of course we want to feel grateful for all of those things and there's always people worse off isn't there there's always someone that's had it tougher or um but yeah I feel exactly the same particularly when I do things like look at my um accounts with my accountant and just think, oh, like, my business has been decimated mm. from where it was a couple of years pre-COVID. You know, we sort of rode this wave, I think, in the mid-teens, didn't we, where we mm. were, you know, we had stacks of students coming through the door. We had lots of performances and events and, you know, we were doing all of the things and now everything just feels so small again which yeah. there's good things about that but it definitely does sort of feel like wow I, I put in my heart and soul to building all of that up and it you know our business is like our baby isn't it and to mm. sort of see that get unraveled in such a short amount of time is yeah it is upsetting and I think we do need to take the time to unpack that and have all the feelings about it I think we need to do that so yeah. that we're part of the healing process and moving forward. Yeah, I, I do really value that perspective and actually just listening to you then, that that was quite helpful for me as well. You know, yes, um, we can have all the gratitude in the world. I, that's, that's what I really latched onto when you were speaking then. But it's okay. It's okay to go, no, part of this is still a bit shitty (laughs) even though we are still standing or even though we yeah had all of those things even though we're in Australia um so what what's changed for me is I've really niched in you know you touched because our our businesses have had very similar um story storylines and and also like if we were to chart their progress and their um I guess results I I think they would be pretty similar as well um so for me what I've found is I 
I have used this opportunity to kind of niche in a little bit. And yeah, it's definitely a smaller business than I had before, but parts of me do like it a little bit more than, than that big beast that can get out of control. And one thing that I'm really enjoying um, is having less staff, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is great considering I'm uh, sometimes considered as the leadership expert and I'm telling you. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I had 20-plus in my team at, at different times and it is a lot of people reporting to you and it's certainly probably too many what what's been your experience of I guess your your team and and how that's changed and how you're feeling with that yeah definitely well yeah I guess part of my grief of the last two years is that I have lost some team members that were a big part of the business and you know there's there's reasons why that happened and they're complex and it just is what it is but yeah there's definitely grief there around that um but at the same time, downsizing has allowed for more, um, I guess, digging into what parts of the business do I want to rebuild again? Um, and there's definitely a lot of things where I'm like, I actually don't want to do that anymore. I, I think part of it is that I am a bit burnt out mm. by and the thought of having an enormous business and a big team again mm. is really not attractive. Um, but it's also led me to um, put some things in place like I've got a service now that answers the phone. Mm. So um, that person takes all the phone calls, sends through messages, and I can't tell you what I'm like, I wish I had have done this 10 years ago. It's amazing. Um, and I also have a virtual assistant now rather than um, an employee that looks after all the accounts and enrolments and um, because it's not as a, a bigger job that it used mm. to be, it's been really good to be able to sort of dig into, well, how can I have a virtual assistant that can support me with these tasks and, you know, possibly we will keep growing over the next couple of years and how do I keep building on whether it's still that virtual assistant or it might be, you know, a couple of different virtual mm. assistants. I'm really enjoying sort of exploring that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also doing things in the business that I don't necessarily want to be doing, but it would be ridiculous for me to employ someone right now because I, I just can't afford it. Yes. So that's just the way it is. I just need to do those tasks. And, again, it's an opportunity to kind of go back into the systems, like what are we doing here? Do we still need to do it this way? How can I refine it? And then hopefully over time I might be able to pass those things back to someone else. But I'll certainly be a little bit more discerning about how I do that. I think on, upon reflection I had overspent on staffing across those couple of years and even my accountant had been saying it to me for a while as well, like mm. staffing costs are huge. How can you pull back here? And I'll be like, no, we're doing I need them all, yeah. It's happening. But I think also she was right, you know, yeah. it's just that um, I think we've talked about it before, haven't we, that admin creep that, you mm. know, oh, just a few more hours here and a few more hours there and, yeah. yeah it adds up. Yeah, something we've been we've been looking at is um, obviously, like like most people, I think, looking at our, our profit and loss and we're coming up, believe it or not, to, to you know, another financial year in, in about six weeks and just comparing some of the data and the thing that stood out to me was 
Um, at the moment, I'm $100,000 less in wages per annum than I was a couple of years ago or, or pre, pre-COVID, 100000 Mel. Now, yes, mm-hmm. I am down in the um, revenue as well, but not 100000 Like, it, mm. if I'm talking percentages instead of dollars, which I prefer, um, those two figures don't match the amount that I've lost and, and what I was spending on wages. And so I liked what you were saying then about, you know, not, being in some roles that you probably don't really want to be, and I am as well, but that that also gave you a really good opportunity to to question those the, those tasks or that role or you know that project. And yeah. um, I think that is the job of the owner is to question why. What I've found is very rarely will my employees question why. Um, it is it is this reason that when Brian came on board um, as a partner after working, you know, in a different business, that it was so tricky for me because he most certainly questions why. Yeah. And I'd realised at that point that all my employees were what I referred to as yes men, you know, like I'd come up with potentially the world's stupidest idea and they'd be like, yeah. Like they were so empowering to me, like, yeah, let's do it. And, yeah, if that's what she wants, we'll make it happen. And so now I'm maybe doing the role of Brian a little bit more and being like, well, why? Why are we still doing this? And finding old systems. I've been all about the systems because at the time of recording, I've been doing a lot of work preparing for a session on that and reading some of our old systems just going, girls, you over-engineered the shit out of that, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? It's it's amazing when you go back in and look at things and think, why why were we doing that? Mm. It's ridiculous, doesn't it? So I think questioning why is, is, again, you know, it it is turning it, it's a reframe. It's like, all right, well, here we are. But let's let's see if we can maximise this opportunity. We're doing some things we don't particularly want to do, but not all of them might still need to be done. Um, and and, and just also, yeah, go on. Um, I you know I think I don't know. Just looking back at myself as a business owner, probably in the mid what do we call them? Teens. I've got the noughties, but do we call it? Yeah, we'll go teens. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, like 2014, 15, 16, around that time. Like I was all about the, oh, I'm the business owner. I can't be doing that. Oh, well, because that, that was the messaging of the time. Absolutely. And it was really drilled into all of the, the business messaging of the time, absolutely. Um, and I, I recently went back and I listened to it as an audio book, actually. Michael, I can't say his last name, the Profit First guy. McCallowitz. McCallowitz, thank you. That's the one. <laughs> I have to say it um, slowly. <laughs> <laughs> I think even he has his, his like, handle on, like, a motorbike or something. It's a like, lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was actually really good because I, I sort of, he talks about, you know, what's the point? When you start out at a business, you know, yes, you can say you're the CEO of your business, but if it's just you, then you it makes no sense to be, you know, not working in the business, you know, because there's that whole sort of thing about, oh, you must work on the business, not in the business. But that all ha- also has to be in relation to the size of your business. And I think that for me was really good to hear because I was like, okay, I do need to pull back where I am at 
as mm. a business. And that's perhaps a goal for me to, to set some targets so that, yeah, I can step away from some of those elements. Um, but, yeah, I think there is that ver- there was very much that mindset of working on the business, not in the business. Yeah. It needs to be, that needs to fluctuate and you need to come in and out at different times and, and be okay with that. And that's what I've learned. Yeah, that's what I've learned. Come in and out of it at different times. And you and I talk um, perhaps not so much on the podcast but certainly privately about our role as mothers and and how we've found that has changed, um, you know, as our children get older. And I just think that, and that is an analogy I use a lot when I'm coaching as well, you know, when I started my business 16 years ago I also had a newborn and my my now 16 year old does not need me in the same way she did when she was a newborn (laughs) because why because that would be weird you know (laughs) (laughs) let's not go there (laughs) I think we have think we've all got there let's just finish with that would be weird okay but and that's like that's a natural progression you know she's growing into a a a fully grown adult thing and we don't think about that with our businesses sometimes that it's going to ebb and flow and and yeah sometimes it does feel like it regresses and and certainly I think yeah. we've both experienced that. But no, not necessarily a bad thing, is it? No, and some of that regression, um, we did start talking a little bit about this before we jumped on to record, that for me the point of reflection, again, what I was sort of told in the teens is was that, you know, you're once a week kids, so they're really important, you know, they're your bread and butter, they bring in you know, they sort of subsidise the school and all that mm. sort of stuff and you, your kids that do multiple classes a week, you know, are not, are not your bread and butter. Mm. Well, at the end of COVID, I can definitely say that my bread and butter are my ballet kids. They are the ones that do multiple classes a week and live and breathe dance and they are the ones that have seen us through COVID. And yeah. All our once a week is, yeah, they're starting to come back, but it's definitely made me rethink what I want out of the business too and that's what I really do want to concentrate on is just nurturing that through the school again. Yeah. And not worry so much about the once a week classes. I mean, I Mm. like hip-hop, but it's generally, you know, Mm. necessarily. They did definitely, those, those kids did not stick with Zoom. They did not stick... No. 2020 and 2021, and, in fact, they haven't returned either. No. Uh, the ones that returned, if they didn't do Zoom, were the ballet kids. So, you know, it's, um yeah, really made me think about that too. Roll on ballet, yeah. I, yeah, there, there has, and I think, you know, you've mentioned the word reflection a couple of times, and so that, that really is important. It's important to just take those moments. Um, I know you like to walk. I like to walk as well. And just have those moments where, I mean, sure, riff with a, a friend or, you know, talk to your, your business coach and whatnot. But sometimes you just have to let things settle with yourself and um, just kind of let those thoughts jumble around and and then experiment a little bit. Go, all right, well, if that this has happened, 
how do I feel about it? What if I try this, you know, and just go in with that experimentation. And that's what I've done a little bit with changing my organisational chart. I used to have lots in my leadership team and Mm. then we came down to four and now we've got three. And, you know, yes, there are times where we're like, oh, we're we're a bit under the pump. But at the same time, there's so much ease and that, that has definitely been what, I've been focusing on like how can this be easy how can I really simplify this down you know so that it it's easy and that for me is not just been a practical thing but a a mindset shift so um, I come from my headspace likes hard work like it honours, I think it might be part of being a female. You know, girls were the hard workers at school. Oh, she works so hard. Um, you know, it's so honourable. And so therefore if I'm not working as hard, is that less honourable? So it's a really being tricky for me to go, no, no, this is allowed to be easy. You've You've got this business that now can allow you to have a bit of choice and freedom in your day and not feel guilty about it. It's okay. It's allowed to be, to not kind of be everything. You know, you don't have to think about this business every minute of every day. And there were definitely times in my life then that's what I was doing. Like I was obsessive with it, Mel. And we've talked about that idea of, you know, we had to be a martyr, like, yeah. Oh. You know, I've got to do this and I have to do that and I'm this for my family and I'm that for my business and, yeah, you know, we don't have to be a martyr. We Mm. can actually choose the easy path because sometimes we do overcomplicate it, don't we? We Oh, definitely. They Mm. don't need to be difficult. And if you think about what do our customers want, they just want simplicity, Mm. complicated. Mm. They just want to come and know that dance is an easy activity and it's not too complicated at all so we don't need to over-engineer things Hmm. um, as well so I think yeah simplicity is definitely key and taking time out from the busyness to allow that reflection Um, you know I was telling you before we jumped on that I have taken to worm farming (laughs) I knew you were going to bring it in I was like she's gonna I just need everyone to know that I have a worm farm (laughs) Possibly a symptom of getting closer and closer to the age of 50. So, you know. We are embracing that. Worm farm. Yeah. Well, tell us about your worm farm. Go on. We know you want to. The first time I did my worm farm, I failed epically and didn't concentrate. I was just trying to do it because I wanted a worm farm because I was going to be, you know, more environmentally friendly. And yeah. Yeah, I've just been taking my time with it and just trying to understand how it works and nurturing it slowly and doing my homework just at my pace, not putting too much pressure on myself. And guess what? My worms are thriving. I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm determined not to snort. Um... (laughs) There you go. There's my um, analogy. I had to bring in my worm farm. I love it. And as you also know, I I have um, applied. I'm in quite a lengthy application process to be a professional cuddler. (laughs) I'm so jealous I'm going to have to copy that. Uh, So um, for those who don't know what a professional cuddler is, it is someone who volunteers at 
the special care nursery for for neonatal babies and um, literally just cuddles them. So it's a four-hour shift a week. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of halfway through this process of making sure that I've got no diseases and that I'm not a psycho and all of those kind of things, right? All very honourable things. Um, but, and, and this might be, again, kind of where we're at with our children, like our children aren't needing us so much. So we are finding we've got the headspace and a bit of time to indulge and it does feel a bit indulgent but at the same time it feels quite nice the reason um i wanted to do this role one is obviously it's gorgeous but mm. i just wanted to break into a different headspace like drive to a different area mm. meet different people you know um and just kind of I guess, get outside of my comfort zone um, because I can get so obsessive about my business and I don't, I just don't want to, I feel like, all right, well, COVID was shit, but it it was a very definite circuit breaker. And Mm. so I want to try and hold on to that because I know what I'm like, you know, because I'm a hard worker. Like yeah. deep down, even though I'm like, it's all about the ease. Like if you if you keep scratching, there's mm. eight-year-old Jane who's a hard worker. So I know that I could be sucked back into that and then all of a sudden turn around and go, oh, I've got this crazy-ass massive business again. Um, yeah. When, what, why and when did that happen? So it's just a journey. It's, yeah, but also doing things like that just take you out of your own because I see it with my teenagers at the moment, we get so caught up in our own heads, don't we? And we're all egocentric beings, like our own world and our own headspaces just become so consuming. And you doing something like that, you taking yourself out, like you say, completely different area, different people, different workplace, like you're observing these nurses and doctors that have a completely different day-to-day experience from what we do. Um, and then to think that you're actually going to be connected with families that are probably going through one of the most awful experiences. Mm. Like I can't imagine mm. a newborn and then having to go through that process. So I think that's also a really helpful thing for your own mental health and your own healing and your own process of feeling good within yourself to actually be contributing something to other people's lives. I mean, we do do that through our dance studios, don't we? But, you know. And and see, that's the interesting thing. Like when you say, oh, we do it through our dance studios, I was driving because like when I say this has been a process, it yeah. has been. And, you know, I was driving to the JP on Friday to get my something signed you know, and I was like, and I've, I haven't even started this role and I've been out of my comfort zone. You know, I've had blood tests and I've been at the staff health clinic at the hospital for different things. And I was like, well, oh, yes, this is fulfilling the brief. Um, but I was, as I was driving to the JP, I was like, hmm, there were many, many years that I volunteered for my business. <laughs> Like, so, yes, you know, and sometimes that's the capacity. That's all. That was my volunteering. You know, I remember for about 10 years going, oh, I'd love to volunteer, but I already do. And um, wasn't seen as that. Like, obviously, people were like, that's her business. But there was the anybody listening to this podcast knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. All those extra things, all those times you've you've 
driven a child to the exam or something when their mum couldn't, all of the, you know, we don't even need to go on it, sleepovers, (laughs) all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, um, it's just, there's just a time and place for different things. And I, um, I'm not sure where this is going to fit with my other interviews that I'm doing at the moment. So with either by the time people are listening to this, have listened to Caitlin Haig or she will be coming up next. Mm-hmm. And the reason I wanted to talk with Caitlin was is she's fabulous. Uh, she's a friend of both you and my, mine up at Bayside Dance in Queensland, but she's at a very different part of her life with, with two young one very young child and so I'm really determined to keep bringing people because you and I resonate so much and we do kind of riff about um, our children kind of being that bit older I'm determined to keep bringing people on the podcast that do have young children because it is a very intense time and I want anybody who's listening now not to think that we're disregarding it It, it's all in you're all in Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like that time, like that time for me too, I felt a sense of, I don't know if this will resonate, maybe it was just me, but I felt a sense of urgency. Mm. You know, I really wanted to make sure that I was being a good mum and doing all of those things, but I also really wanted my business to work because that was my future and that was for our children as well, Mm. sort of the bigger picture. So I can so appreciate where, um, you know, you're at if that's the space that you're in. Um, and you're right, Jane, you know, I guess I feel like we're over the other side of that. We were talking earlier about the intensity of teenagers being um, a lot more emotionally intensive, but it's definitely um, not as physically intensive. And it does give you time to kind of um, have worm farms. Mm. And <laughs> you know you what know, you just said, though? You know, like do things like I couldn't have imagined doing any of those things. No, no, no. And what you just said about like, you know, trying to do the best for your business to to set it up for your family and be the best mum you could be. I do feel like that that time in my life was very high pressure and it was internal pressure, like pressure I'd put on myself. But I don't feel that anymore, mostly because I have something to I have history to to look back on and go oh no you've done an okay job you know like you've got three three children um who are pretty cool and you've you've got a pretty cool business and so it's like I can relax into that a little bit more I've got nothing to prove to myself but I I do remember right at that beginning that pressure and it's a lot so um I think self-compassion and some yeah, actually, self-compassion is is required during yeah. those years. If you've, you've birthed some new babes and whether that's your business or your human. <laughs> mm. Absolutely, absolutely. So we've riffed about all sorts of different things and the conversation took a, a turns in all sorts of different directions, which I love. But we were going to talk about just um, your experience with Dance Step, which is my student teacher education program, ever so briefly, just mm-hmm. in regards to how um, those student leaders have kind of supported you over the, well, particularly this year, I guess. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I've actually just employed this year four of my Dance Steppers. Uh, as junior teachers into the team. So I think that is absolutely testament to the fact that they've gone through all of those training levels. And um, I mean, I always had teacher assistants 
And now I think what I'm really loving about this program is that when I employ these teachers, um, because they're not old enough yet to have done, you know, a cert for in dance mm-hmm. teaching and management, they'll certainly go on and do those things. But it's really nice to be able to say, okay, this this student has completed the four levels of dance step and I know that they've completed um, all these modules that really support what they're doing in the studio with the students and um, it's also very aspirational for our younger ones coming through to think, oh, wow, well, they've done, um, oh, well, they're now doing five levels five and six, but mm. you know, I'm at level one. Maybe if I keep going with this, I can be like Miss Ali who now teaches, you know, the mm. jazz and tap on a Saturday and, yeah, there's definitely that sort of um, because we've got all of those levels happening that those younger ones can see that's where it might take them. Um, I think also to, uh, and I've always said this, they are our greatest asset in terms of advertising within our studio so um, that parents coming in perhaps for the first time, they might have a little one that's coming in for a trial and they walk in on a Saturday morning and they see all of these glorious young people who are so helpful and polite and welcoming and nurturing to their little ones. They just are gobsmacked at, you know, because teenagers get Mm. a bad rap in in general and I think they are so blown away with seeing how um, wonderful these young people are and, and then they sort of think, oh, well, this is the kind of environment I do want my child to not just learn to dance in but to grow up in and that mm. they can see that community around the school and it's just such an asset. I, I think, you know, if you haven't got Dance Step in your studio, it definitely should be on your very high on your to-do list because mm-hmm. it really will. Even if you already have assistance, which I did, mm. I always mm. Assistance. It's really helped me layer what they're doing. It's helped give really good structure around it. Um, I think parents feel also uh, very supported when they know it's an, you know, a, a worldwide program that people that studios are using all around the world. I think that's got a lot of weight with parents as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And as a parent, I mean, get on it yes get on it I love it call to action get on it um like my my Liam he's 10 and he's this is his first year in dance step so my third child first year in dance step and that's been been really lovely watching him um and as a parent I actually really enjoy watching him give back like I really he doesn't um you know he's not a a, I was gonna say he's not a girl guide He isn't. I know that might come as a surprise. He's not a scout. (laughs) He's not a scout. He's not a girl guide. Um, Like there's not a huge amount of kind of giving back opportunities for kids Mm -hmm. at 10 Um, and he takes it really seriously and I feel just as proud watching him probably actually, to be honest, a little bit more pride um, watching him interact with the younger kids in his class, he helps with acro, so five, five and six year olds, and he's ten. Um, I feel, yeah, if not more, just as proud watching him do that than when he dances. Ooh, so, percent, and it's such a, um, it gets so much kudos for them. You know, it's mm. really that self esteem building. You know, that there are other people that look up to me and 
you know, that is such yeah. a massive formative experience for, yeah, a 10, 11-year-old. Um, I mean, I still remember the day that my teacher asked me to help with the babies. Oh. I remember where I was standing, what I was wearing, what it smelt like that day. Like yeah. it just absolutely was one of the happiest days that I had, you know, she thought that I could do that. Yes, um, yes, that I had some value to give. I am, yeah. yes, I can contribute. Yeah, the time that like a little student brings in a dance step or a card or like yes. a picture for them and, and you can just see that dance stepper is just like that bit of paper to them, like, you know, after 30 years of teaching. Yeah, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> but, you know, bless them. But for those dance steppers, it's just like, wow, this little person really thinks I'm the bee's knees. It's mm. Yes, there's lots of, I think that's the thing, and I knew you'd, you'd discuss some of that just, you know, because I know you. <laughs> it's the magic, you know, when people say, oh, we want assistant teachers or we want student teachers, there's this, it's kind of like when we talk about dance, we're like, well, yes, you're going to learn plies, tondus and, uh, you know, sautés. That's kind of like the surface level. That's what everybody sees. But underneath there's all of this magic about, you know, what it feels like to be a dancer and what you can experience as a person through dance. And that's how I feel about the student leadership opportunities is that there's what people see. It's like that iceberg, you know, what people see is children helping out in the studio. But what they, that child experience is there's so much more to that. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really grateful for you sharing that experience with us all and I'm I'm so glad that it's worked out well for your guys as well. Absolutely. It just it brings me the greatest joy to see that because I think that's where I came from. So I know how much that impacted my life. I mean, it set me on a path of, you know, I've ended up doing what I'm doing and mm. I'm deeply grateful to my dance teacher for affording me that opportunity and to think if I can put a few of my dancers, no, they're not all going to end up being dance teachers. No. But we know that those experiences will help form what they're going to do into their adult life and, yeah, it's it's such a positive thing. Mm. Perfect. Well, Miss Mel, we've gone over time. We always do. Oh, shocking. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was uh, well worth it. So thank you. So lovely to be back at the bar with you. Let's do it again sometime. 100% we can do it. Thank you so much for joining Mel and I at the bar today. These episodes with Mel are some of my favourite because they truly are just like we're sitting, having a coffee together and you're joining us. As I mentioned at the very beginning, this podcast was brought to you by my June group coaching workshop. It's called Project Like a Boss, and I'm going to be explaining how to create project plans and adopt a project management approach to delegation and getting organized in your studio. I'd love you to join me on Tuesday, 21st of June. You can find all of the information at the booking link, which is in my Instagram bio, head on over there at Dance Studio Success. Thanks for joining me at the bar. To find out more about past episodes 
or how I can help you grow your own leadership or train student teachers, head to dancestep.com.au. Great leaders create leaders, and I'm here to help you be and do both. And please remember to rate and review me on your podcast player of choice. See you next time at the bar. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 